Medford, Central Point, Jayville, White City, Grand Pass, Rogue River, Gold Hill, or wherever you might be on this morning, this Thursday morning. This is Peter John Corson, a.k.a. John's Kid. (laughs) Proud of it. Thankful for it. God helps those who won't help themselves. I don't know where we got the idea God helps those who help themselves. It's more as or like what I just said. Because, see, when I help myself to anything, it's always a mess. (laughs) It's a disaster. I'm glad God helps those who won't help themselves. Let's start off this morning with a little Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir.
And I hope you were clapping your hands. If you like that kind of music, of course. If not, well, it's over. That's good. Hey, my dad in his messages has always pointed out that in a relationship, it's a lot like a sitting stool. Three legs to be sturdy. That is, if a stool has three legs, it's sturdy like the one I'm sitting on right now, in fact. If a stool has two legs, mm, it's doable, but not really stable. And if only has one leg, forget it. And he points out that in a relationship of a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, that there needs to be connection between three areas, body, soul, and spirit. Well, also along with that would be the threefold purpose of God's law. See, if you look at only one or two of these, you're not going to really grasp all that God's law has for you and I. There are three things that I would suggest, that I would like to lay out for you. Number one, it reveals God. The law does. Number two, it imparts wisdom. The law does. And number three, it reveals grace. Somehow, some way, I'll explain. First, though, the law reveals God, even beyond what as beautiful as nature is, creation is. Psalm 19, I'll give you for a reference. The writer, David, is in awe of nature. The ocean, waves, the clouds in the sky, the freshness all around him. He's in awe. But then he says, yet it is the word of God that reveals to us his nature, Psalm 19. So the creator is seen in his creation, but even more powerfully, visibly, clearly in his word, in his law. Now, Everyone worships something in creation unless they worship the creator. So you're going to worship that dude, that gal, that car, that job. And and it might not be as obvious as those who worship in a church or a synagogue, but you're still worshiping. But to worship God is to worship one who is never going to change. Your job might, your relationship could, your body or your health probably will, but God won't. And his law reveals him, number one. Number two, it imparts wisdom, the law of God does. 
for Psalm 19 goes on to say, the fear of the Lord is clean. Wisdom. The fear of the Lord, the law of God gives us this wisdom. Wisdom is interesting. It's the sweet spot between hedonism, you know, just living for the flesh, and legalism, living under the law. Wisdom is that sweet spot between those two. It's not legalism where you believe, if I do this, then God will do that. Neither the hedonism where you say to yourself, I'll do whatever I want. It's saying, God, write your will on my heart. As I wait upon you, I will listen and I will follow your wisdom. Thirdly, the law of God reveals grace. How? Because Romans chapter 7 says, Sin, using what is good, produced death to show that sin is sin. (laughs) So the law of God shows me what sin is. As Romans chapter 7 says, well, that's not grace. It is when you realize that God sent his son to die for your sin. To die for those times that you and I broke that law. So the very strictness, the very straightness of the law itself reveals to us also the grace of God, the one who sent his son because we need that grace. So there really is pertinent and relevant insight, I should say, application to God's law for you and me today. It reveals God more than nature even does. His holiness as our creator. But also it imparts wisdom. It's a good way to walk in that's not legalism nor hedonism. And it reveals God's grace. Where I have erred and fallen short, God has me covered. Christian, the same is true for you. We'll be right back. Where's all of my praise I want everybody around the world to put your hands together because all the praise belongs to God. Here we go. It's who I got. Everywhere to worship. With one accord. God. I want everybody all over the world to sing 
I sure hope you like gospel music this morning, because <laughs> that's what I'm playing. And if you don't, you probably already turned off the radio. Anyways, anyways, praise God. I want to encourage us not to, quote, take, end quote, offense, or, quote, hold, end quote, a grudge. I don't want us to take offense or hold a grudge. Maybe you were offended last night or you have a grudge from something that happened two months ago and you don't like it. You don't want it, but it's there. Here's the deal. The word forgive in the Old Testament speaks of carrying, bearing, lifting, like an armor bearer. Literally. That's what the word forgive means. But in the New Testament, when we are told we are forgiven and we are to forgive, the idea of that Greek word forgive is to leave, forsake, let go, and send away. To, I, in other words, to release. So I want you to be able to release that which you are holding onto or taking this past week or month or whatever it might have been. Because you see, anger, as you know, as you already know, is acid which harms the vessel in which it is stored more than the object of which it is poured. You know what that means, right? Like acid in a vessel that it's stored in is going to eat up much more than when it's poured out upon another. So too is anger or unforgiveness. It hurts you or I more than the one that we are angry toward. So how do you do this? Okay, listen, if right now you're struggling with something that someone did to you maybe a year ago, maybe for 10 years, maybe three weeks ago, here's what you do. Focus on what Jesus has done for you rather than what others have done to you. Did you get that? I hope so. I need to do this. You need to do this. What? Focus on what Jesus has done for you rather than what others have done to you. Because as you do that, as you take communion, come to the cross, open his word. First of all, it will humble you because you'll realize where you have fallen short where you have dropped the ball, where you have messed up, and that will take some of the edge off your anger and your unforgiveness. And then B, it shows you how much you are loved. Even if you felt unloved by that person or that action, you are not so in the presence of God who sent his own son. So when you find yourself 
feeling that anger. Maybe even again and again after you pray for forgiveness or to forgive. See, here's the deal. You know the story of the prodigal son. And then the story of the older brother in that story who is out in the field working. And the prodigal son comes home and the pops throws him a party. You know the story, right? And then the older brother who's out in the field working says to one of the servants, what's going on? The servant says, your brothers come home and there's a party being thrown. And the older brothers miffed. He's angry. There's a party going on for my younger brother. And the father has to come out and say, come and join the party. See, my son, even while you are out here holding on to your grudge, these folks are dancing. So, come on in. Join the party. You know, that's what I want for my kids. That's what I want for my wife. That's what I want for me more and more. To join the party. To not be those who have a list in our heads of offenses that others have done to us. Jesus paid for those. I am worse than those. Let those things go and join the party. Let me hear you make some Holy Ghost crazy noise right now. Let me hear
Oh yeah, we're getting our gospel hour on <laughs> today. But here's the thing. God and the Lord Jesus is always one step ahead of the serpent. You know the stories. You know how the serpent is stepped on. Let me give you one such example from Revelation in chapter 12. Now, a war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. Praise the Lord. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Praise the Lord. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers, and literally the accuser of our brothers and sisters, just so you know. The accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heaven, and you dwell, that dwell in them. These saints in the revelation overcame the serpent, Satan, because they loved not their lives even even unto death. He could take their lives and they couldn't care less in comparison to the salvation and the glory they knew they had in heaven. That is the key to defeating the serpent who wants to poison you to stick his venom in your veins of anger or confusion or discontentment, to know that you are loved by God and you are headed to heaven. No matter what here on earth, there is a kingdom of God that is coming, that is greater than anything that this earth has ever even seen since the Garden of Eden. And you will dwell there. And they overcame that serpent by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You know, when you walk around snakes, right? You know how it works. If you've been in Arizona or on Table Rock or whatever, where there's snake infested terrain, you know, you've been told it's true that snakes are actually more afraid of you. As hard as that is to believe, because I'm freaked out, but snakes are more afraid of you than you are of the snakes. They strike out of defense. As bad as a reputation they have, they strike not out of offense. They strike not out of, out of uh, their own 
vehemence. They strike out of defense. And so Satan is a snake, a serpent, in which he doesn't have command or control over us who are children of God. Even though he strikes, seemingly, even though it's seemingly like he has all of the power sometimes, fact is he's afraid of you, not because of you, but he who lives in you, praise the Lord. And on that staff, in the Exodus, when Moses put up that bronze serpent for everyone to be healed who had been smitten, stricken by serpents, serpents, it meant a bronze serpent. You know what that means, don't you? The serpent is judged. Bronze is the medal of judgment. The serpent is judged when Jesus cried, it is finished. That means the victory is yours, friend. Listener, the the victory isn't being won. The victory is won. You have overcome. You are a saint. You are righteous. You are are holy not just in the process of those things it is finished he cried it is finished not i'm finishing not it's finished on my part he said it is finished ah the victory is yours and mine because jesus stomped on the head of the serpent praise his name oh jesus our serpent slayer, right? Are you agreeing with me? I hope so. Because that's the truth. See, facts, as you know if you have kids, can change. They'll give you facts. We give each other facts that are subject to change because facts are based on what is perceived, right? But truth is constant because where facts are pertaining to what we see or perceive, truth is what God sees. And the truth will set you free. And the truth is that you are forgiven and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the truth is greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. There is beauty rising from these ashes. There is a new life in these dry bones. There's a revival flowing like a fountain. There's a new song waiting to be sung.
summer's coming Well, love delivers God is going to wipe away every tear from your eye and mine as well. And I think, here's my opinion, for what it's worth, that he'll wipe away those tears because we never knew just how good and how generous he was while living here on earth. When we see him, we'll go, I had no idea. God, Lord, that you were this generous and good and gracious. I almost want to cry right now just by saying that. See, I believe in my opinion that hell is not knowing that one's debt has been paid. You see, 1 John tells us that Christ died not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. So everyone's sins he died for. The debt for everyone has been paid. Hell is not knowing that debt is paid. (laughs) It would be like working off a debt for your parents or for your employer. That is already paid off. That's hell. That will be hell. Those who will be suffering, laboring as it were, burning over a debt that's already been paid. Someone else has served their sentence, but now they're going to serve it as well because they refuse to receive and believe the work of Jesus Christ. God is not mad at you. I want you to know that. You already know that, Christian, but you need to hear it again. God is not mad at you. Well, I did this, Pete, and I did that, Pete. I spoke this way to my spouse, or I lost my temper two days ago. I cheated on my taxes, whatever. Listen, look at Jesus, okay? Look how he behaved. That's the key, right? How did Jesus treat the Pharisees? The religious leaders of that time? He was pretty angry with them, wasn't he? I.e. turning over tables in the temple, right? All of that. All the things that he said to them about being snakes and children of the devil 
But would you note with me, Jesus, I, I, I'm amazed by this even as I say it right now. I'm amazed by this. Jesus never was angry at a sinner. At the self-righteous and the Pharisees and those who were thinking that they were haughty, toddy religiously, yeah, he got mad at them. He never got mad at the tax collector, the prostitute, the sinner, like me, like you. Find a place where Jesus got mad in the scriptures. You can't. He never condemned a sinner. And so too, for us in heaven, we are not condemned. He's not mad. He doesn't even remember your sin any longer. Hell, on the other hand, is not knowing that debt has been paid. And that's why I think Satan is like a roaring lion. First Peter. Notice Peter says he is not a roaring lion. That's Jesus Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah. No, he says Satan is like a roaring lion. He puts on an act. Why? Because he roars that God is angry at you and at me. But listen, when the New Testament, check this out, talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. You know that? Maybe you've heard it before. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Can I tell you specifically what the technicality, what the logistics of that is? Would you mind? Grieving the Holy Spirit, when you read that in the book of Ephesians, and when you read that in Timothy, grieving the Holy Spirit comes from not receiving God's grace. So often we think, we say, I've preached grieving the Holy Spirit is sinning, rebelling, misbehaving. No, no, no. It's specific when you read about it in Ephesians. It says it's about grieving the Holy Spirit. Is about not receiving God's grace grace, having no grace, and therefore showing no grace. Receive God's grace. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by thinking that God is angry at you or is going to lose his temper. No, that grieves the Holy Spirit because it's not true, see. I'm so glad God does not remember my sins. It's one thing to just forgive. I understand that. We do that for each other, don't we? I'll forgive. Isn't that old Satan so pertinent, but I'll never forget, right? You know what I'm talking about. Somehow God and only God is able to both forgive and forget. Doesn't that make you want to pray now? To talk to him? Doesn't that make you want to spend time with him knowing that he doesn't have any marks against you? I sure hope so. Because he has nothing but welcoming arms for you as his daughter or his son. That's the Lord we serve. No wonder they call this gospel good news, right? I think it's good news. 
I really love the gospel, and I know you do too. So come out tonight. As we pray through the tabernacle, as we pray for the church, as we pray that the gospel would be preached and received powerfully. Come on out. We'll be gathering out here at the church in the upper room. Looking forward to it very much. And that is at 7 o'clock, okay? Let me leave you with this. God is love. His love is perfect. Which means the object of that love doesn't have to be. According to 1 John chapter 5. In fact, the less lovely the object, the more perfect that love is. <laughs> Simply trust in God's love for you. Don't put your trust in your love for God or you're going to be in big trouble. Trust me on that one. But his love, what? Casts out fear. That is why you are called his beloved so that you might have no fear that you might know you are God's favorite. When Jesus had breakfast with Peter after Peter denied him three times, Jesus asked me, asked Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter had to say, Lord, you know I like you. And what did Jesus do? Did he say, well, I'm offended or no way. Nuh-uh. He understood that was the case. He wanted Peter to know that was the case and admit it, and Peter did. And so three times when Peter says, Lord, I like you, but I can't really say I love you, Jesus said, then go and feed my sheep. <laughs> and I say, Lord, I like you, and I want to love you, but you know me. You know my issues, my shortcomings, my failures. And he says, Peter, I love you, and that's what matters. Now go and do my will. Okay, Lord, you're right. It's your love for me that matters, not vice, vice, vice versa. That's why it's called good news. Don't clutter up your Christianity. I'm talking to myself. Don't make it a, a combination of some good news and some bad news. Don't pretend like good news is happening when it's really bad news. Enjoy the grace of God. Thank you for tuning in. I had a good time today. If nothing else, the Lord spoke to my heart. Maybe just me, but he did. May the Lord bless you. Come on out tonight again at 7 o'clock as we pray through the tabernacle. God bless.